on the right time. I want to share something with you. A little while ago, I was asking the Lord to give me more dreams. And because I'm a bit of an insomniac, that was a bit of a long shot. But anyway, I started to sleep better. And as I was just saying to the Lord, by encouragement from others, well, why don't you just ask the Lord to give you more dreams? Well, I've stopped dreaming for a bit. And then suddenly I couldn't stop dreaming. And then I couldn't stop receiving kind of words. Because those who know me know sometimes I'm imbued with a thought. And this is what the Lord was saying to me, to me. Joy is your weapon. Joy unspeakable is yours for the asking. Shall we have joy, said the Lord? Like the story of the Good Samaritan. And there's often a dark and painful side, but a joyous answer. With a point, a learning on the way. Joy in truth produces depth and releases faith so that even the teaching and discipline is not heavy. Heaven is joyful. Jokes abound, felt the Lord saying, we don't need them, but we like them. They are for those on earth who, as yet, just don't know the total joyfulness of being with us. And then the Lord said, do you want me to tell you a joke? Yes, I said, I like that. And this is what he said. I've no idea what was coming out of my mouth pen. Two men come to a prison. Right, one is the one that should be um, incarcerated. The other is there merely to visit. One says to the other, want to swap places? No fear, replies the other. Exactly. Do that, says the other, and the, the sentence would be commuted. Do what? Look, have no fear. And he pushes him inside. You're in. He enters the prison. But because he has no fear of it, the doors keep unlocking. And the bars keep falling out, of the pri- and the prison guards don't get it. Every time they slam a door, it opens again. And the prison bars keep falling out. And you seek, the, you seek to jail an innocent man who is free of condemnation. So the prison is so full of joy, it's just falling about laughing. So the prison is so full, and the sentence is commuted completely because of the laughing and joyous prison walls that can't hold you. And the next condemned man, convicted now, thinks, right, I'll have a go at this. So he steps up, confident he won't be locked up. But as he steps up to the prison, the gates shut and the bars clung. And the prison doors do not laugh. It holds the man until he receives his own key, the key to the joy in the Lord, which cannot hold any man. There was more, but maybe at some other time. Howard Morgan, we just love you. You altered my life because you kept confronting me with things I needed to deal with about <laughs> 16 or 17 or an age ago. But we're here today to say thank you that you stuck with us and you kept upsetting us again and again and again. And really, we just want the Holy Spirit to do the same today, do we not? Sometimes we need to be upset to get reset. But one of the things I know is that God has made us powerful, authoritative. Nothing can hold us. Are we getting this? Nothing can hold us. No prison doors, nothing. Because the enemy has got no authority over us. And today we're fully submitted to him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, maybe I'll step up behind a pulpit so I can be a proper preacher. 
How pulpit will travel. That'll be the day. <laughs> oh, please don't get me started. I'll laugh. Oh, Lord. We better pray. It's a simple prayer. Help, Lord! Father, we do thank you for a gathering of your saints. Not just people who have come to a meeting, Lord, but a gathering of saints. So, Lord, I pray that we would begin to really grab hold of what that word means, Lord. Because you call us saints. We are called to be saints. We are the saints of God. And, Father, we're not just men and women who go to meetings. But you want to really do a revolutionizing identity changing thing in each of us today that we would understand what it means to be a saint what it means to live in a dark world as a saint what it means to go to work as a saint what it means to go to bed as a saint what it means to dress in the morning as a saint what it means to speak to our neighbors as a saint to speak to our employers or employees or everybody we meet on the street, Lord. So I thank you that there's an identity-changing revelation that you want to deeply impart to every one of us who is willing to receive it. So, Lord, I thank you that we have come today to be shocked. Hallelujah. We have come today to be confronted. Hallelujah. We have come today to be changed. Hallelujah. And notice, Lord, that there has not been one amen to any of that, but a lot of giggles. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just thank you that you are able to make a, (coughs) excuse me, a grace abound to every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to transform our understanding of ourselves. Lord, and I thank you that in order for that transformation to take place, we must be confronted. We must be challenged. We must be educated. We must be flexible. We must be a people who are willing to be and do and go where we've never gone and been and done. So, Lord, I thank you that you have created a sacred space for us today. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this leadership here. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to enter into a sacred moment where a sacred space that you can do sacred, saintly things in us and with us and through us. Father, I thank you for laying a challenge before us, Lord. And then inviting us to take the challenge. Inviting us to come into that class. Inviting us to become students in that class. Inviting us to pick up the curriculum and not flee when we read it. See, everybody laughed, but there was not an amen. See, we're getting, as you go in this class, you'll get to the place where you're saying amen. I'm trying to help you guys here. Oh, my gosh. Do I have to teach you and tutor you? (laughs) 
I need a drink. <laughs> it's going to be a tough class. Now you're getting it. So, Lord, we do want to invite you to be our teacher. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. You are our comforter. You are our guide. And, Lord, I do thank you that our ability to learn does not depend on our ability to learn. But our ability to learn depends on your ability to teach us. And you are the great teacher. So, Father, I thank you for the grace you give to us to learn and then to apply what we've learned. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, amen and amen. So as we were worshiping, I felt like the Lord gave me a picture based on a very well-known parable, the parable of um, the sower and the seed. And Jesus talked about different hearts that receive the Word of God, the seed of God, in different ways. And there are four kinds of hearts. The third heart, Jesus said, is like a, um, is like one. This is Matthew chapter 13, and I'm looking at um, verse 22. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and the worry, worry, worries of the world the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And then as I was watching this, a picture of this, the word of God being choked in people's lives, the word of God seeking to rise up, but it was in battle. The world, the flesh, the devil, different dynamics operating inwardly and outwardly. And its focus was, I have to choke this plant so that it doesn't bear any fruit. And as I was watching that, I saw us rise up and begin to dig wells in the midst of the thorns. And I felt like the Lord said he wanted us to be well diggers in the midst of the thorns. Because unless you know how to dig a well, the thorns would choke you. Because the battle that we are entering into, the next level of battle. And how many of you know we're going into a next level of battle? The forces of darkness are rising in the world. The, the attacks against the church, the attacks against God, or the boldness, shall we say, of the attacks is increasing. The thorns, if you will, are getting thornier. If there isn't a word thornier, I have a microphone, therefore I can make up new words. 
It's one of the privileges of having a mic, especially a lovely orange one. I don't often get to have an orange mic, so I can make up new words today. Hallelujah. Keep laughing, sister. It is one of the weapons the enemy hates. He hates our joy, and he hates our laughter. He loves, you know, somber religion. It's like he loves the sour-faced people, you know, the prune faces. We are the church of the prune faces. Some of you are laughing at me because I made a face. You should look in your face. You should have a mirror now. Some of you look like you're in gastric distress, you know. It's like... How many times have you been in churches and you thought you were among the dead? They were dressed, but they were dead. It's, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And the look on their faces was, oh my gosh, these people are shriveled up. And the devil loves that. You know, he really hates the joy of the Lord because it is your strength. You know, we should be the kind of people that are walking down the street laughing out loud. So that when they want to arrest you, you can have a prison ministry. Hallelujah. But we learn from that parable that no prison can hold you. You know, because the joy of the Lord sets you free. And your captors or the arresting officer or whomever says, you know, why are you so happy? Oh, Jesus has changed my life and he'll change yours too. Hallelujah. Listen to me. There is a radical joy that God wants to impart to all of you. This is one of your inheritances as a saint of God. Because we have the wrong definition of what it means to be a saint. Some of you have been looking at icons and nimbuses so long that you got an idea that the saint is someone who stands there with a half cock. Why are their faces, the pictures, always like their heads are always kind of tilted? Do you ever notice? Never mind. I'll just study some of the religious art that's all around us. And, uh, you know, this kind of otherworldly, well, I suppose that they might characterize it as angelic, but I don't think so. You know, it, it becomes, how shall I say this to you? The subtle lies of the spirit of religion take you out of a dynamic of interaction with the thorns that enables you to penetrate what they're trying to do and get to the people who are being influenced by the thorns so that you can bring them to the Lord. Do you understand that? We are not called to run away from the battle. We are called to run into the battle. We are called to rise up with the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds that are not carnal, but supernatural, spiritual, and run to the battle. This is one of the things saints do. Saints do not run away. Saints run into the battle. You know, we've got, again, this wrong picture of being a saint. You know, that these are people who are very, um, shall we say, so meek as to be weak. 
And the biblical definition of meekness is strength under power. I, I remember hearing Derek Prince of Blessed Memory teach about meekness, and he said, it is the power of a jet plane under the control of the pilot. So he's got all of this power under his control, and when he hits that power, that baby can take off, and when he wants to land it, he takes all that power and goes, mm, and brings what... We call it landing. It's really a controlled crash. Do you understand that? You know, and he just controls it down. That's meekness is strength under control. So you have a strength in you that is not afraid of anyone or anything. See, one of the lies of the enemy or all of the lies of the enemy are intended to intimidate you so it can manipulate you, so it can control you. And that's what the world does, the worries and the deceitfulness, so it becomes unfruitful. You're worried about, will you have enough money? You're worried about if people will like you. You're worried about if people will welcome you. You're worried about how you get responded to or received. And I'm telling you when the joy of the Lord is really filling you up, you don't care about how people react to you. And when they get mad at you or they, they, they dismiss you or whatever, it becomes entertainment. It's like, wow, let's see how many people we can annoy today. Just by simply telling them Jesus loves you and watch how mad they get. And it's, wow, put the Holy Ghost popcorn on. Oh, some of you didn't even know there was such a thing as Holy Ghost popcorn. It's being sold back there. Andy has bags of it. 50p, what a deal. He is a purveyor. That man is a purveyor of Holy Ghost popcorn. He is. He is teaching you how to be free in the anointing that God has on your life. You know, so that you can enjoy the moment. You're no longer afraid of what people say about you or say to you. You enjoy the whole story. It's like, wow, this is free entertainment. You know, you're the protagonist in the movie of your life. You, who needs Indiana Jones? We have you. And you get to wear cool hats. I, I like hats, so I have a cool hat with me. This is what part, see, these are parts of the identity of being a saint. Because the spirit of religion has so distorted this to make us to feel weak and inferior and that there's something wrong with us or we're not this or we're not that or we can't answer that and we can't answer this. And I'm telling you, God is looking for a people who will rise up and overcome all of this so that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Weapons will fall. We need to understand we are in a fight. You know, we are called to fight the good fight. Paul writes to Timothy, first and second Timothy, you know, fight the good fight, Timothy. And in second Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight, you know, and we're in a battle. And we have to understand that part of being a saint is to be a, have a military mindset. You know, I love the fact that this is a base camp. You know what I mean? It should probably say boot camp, but that would... All right, hallelujah. And it doesn't scare people away, praise the Lord. <laughs> and then there'll be another one that says advanced infantry training. Advanced weapon usage. 
You know where you take the dance ministry, and I know you've told me you've done this, out into the, the public square. You take whatever God is calling you to do. You know, even puppet ministry. One of the things when we pastored in New York, one of the most effective outreaches we had was a, was a simple little puppet put together. You know, if we went into the, the, the park and handed out uh, literature, people would ignore us. But if we set up a little puppet with simple socks, you know, you put a sock on a hand. It doesn't have to have anything more than a sock on a hand and have them talking. Adults would stop because their children would stop and it, it, just to watch the puppets talk to one another. It was an amazing phenomenon. You could tell them anything. You're all go, you're all sinners going to hell. Repent in the name of Jesus. Whoa, oh, okay. <laughs> That's because it was a sock talking to them. I'm going to stand there watching. I said, look at these people. They're all listening to socks talk to them. It was disarming them because it created a safe emotional and psychological space where they weren't confronted by another person, but a silly sock was talking to them, so they felt safe. Do you follow what I'm saying to you? This became a psychological strategy by the Spirit to get a message into people's hearts and minds. This is thinking like a saint. Someone on a mission, someone with a calling, someone with a destiny, someone with an anointing, someone who knows how to dig a well in the midst of the thorns. Whether it's a well of worship, a well of teaching, a well of fellowship, a well of laughter, a well of whatever it might be, because there are all kinds of wells that pull up all kinds of water. The waters of life, the waters of life. You know, and so many people have substituted religion and church attendance for learning how to drink from the well of life in one another and learning how to create wells and then be able to pull water out of the well, be able to drink it yourself and give it to others. And I'm going to tell you one of the things that saints do is they give their life away. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. So you guys are saying amen. Pray for that side of the room. It seems like I, I, I'm not turning my back on you, but they need a little extra help. right? So there is this dynamic where we need to learn how to feed ourselves and give others freely. This is really important for you to understand because so many of us are holding on to gifts and holding on to callings because we're afraid that we will be rejected. You cannot live in the prison of the fear of rejection. This is very important. This fear of rejection intimidates, manipulates, and controls so many people. What will they say? What will they think? You know, when we get in the the bar of the prison is what people say and what people think. And once the enemy has you in that mindset, What will people say and what will people think? And I want them to say nice things to me and I want them to like me and I want them to be happy with me. Once that kind of psychology is the motivating factor of what you're doing and why you do it, you're in jail. Because the enemy will whisper to you, don't say that to that person. You'll get them upset. Don't say that to that person. They'll get mad at you. Don't say that. Don't do that. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't. Can't, the theme song of, of hell is no, 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 don't, 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 can't, can't, can't. 
Jesus has come to set you free so that all things are possible. <laughs> you know? So nothing is impossible for you. If you have the faith of a tiny little mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and it's going to obey you. Whoa! I believe God is wanting to find a people with that kind of faith, you know, and standing in that kind of a battle. And, you know, entering into that kind of a relationship with God where these things are not just church talk. Because we've watched a lot of people in our 40-plus years of ministry, you know, learn how to go to church and speak church talk. And as soon as they leave the door, everything they heard is out the window. It's as if it never happened. The vocabulary, the vocabulary of the Scriptures is erased. The, the morality of the Word of God is ignored. And they just, you know, I went to the building... I did whatever I do in the building, and now I'm free to sin. This whole hyper-grace doctrine tells people to think like that. So you don't bear fruit for the kingdom of God because you're living for yourself. Hey, I can sin, woo, because I can repent because God loves me and he'll forgive me. This is not what the Bible teaches, beloved. There's a day of accountability a day of wrath. We don't, we so little about the fear of God and the wrath of God is taught in many churches. But among saints, it's part of our language because we're learning and we're living in the language of the scripture, which is about repentance so that we can walk with a holy God and be his people in the earth. That's the definition of being a saint, being his people in the world. And we're in the process, hallelujah, by grace, through faith, of learning how to be his people in the world. That's why God gives you grace, so you can walk with him. Because in our flesh, we can't walk with God. Our flesh can't do anything in God. We have to learn how to live in the Spirit. We have to learn how to walk in the Spirit with one another. What a challenge that is. How many of you have discovered that walking in the Spirit with other saints is not easy? Why aren't all of your hands up? You must be a liar. Or you're not saved. Or you're not alive. And somebody dressed you in some clothes and sat you in a chair. Many of us are troubled because this is difficult. Why does this surprise us? Jesus said it would be difficult. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. I remember reading that and saying to the Lord, is this the best you could come up with? <laughs> Whose idea was this, lambs among wolves? Did you and the Father like have a conversation about this? This is what you came up with. And he said to me, this is the way that I teach the lambs how to eat wolf chops. <laughs> See, the, la the wolf wants to eat lamb chops, but we learn how to eat wolf chops. And for those of you who are concerned about that, in the name of Jesus, wolf chops are kosher. Because <laughs> I know some people are concerned about such things. Are they kosher? See, we are called into a battle. God is at war. God is a man of war. One of the things that the saints are called to is fighting. 
We've been taught so many wrong things. Hear me say this to you. Some of you have been following my ministry for a while. You know some of these things already that the Lord has shown me. Gosh, it's a while ago now. You know, the older you get, things become, um, the numbers increase. Have you noticed that? So I prefer not to do any math. Hallelujah. Because we're living in the eternal now. Amen? So there's no numbers. Good. Okay, we've settled that part. So this morning, (laughs) some of you got to pray for these guys, you know. Some years ago, the Lord told me this. I intend to deliver the body of Christ from the spirit of the Christian religion. When he spoke that to me, he showed me a classic American country church. You know, one story, pitched roof with a a bell tower, you know, on top. And I saw this building, white building, split in half from the bottom. Uh, uh, the, 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 the The church building began to split open from the bottom. And from the bottom of the split, a huge tree emerged. And as the tree was emerging, it was splitting the building in half. And so the Lord began to show me through that picture that that building represents the spirit of religion, the spirit of the Christian religion that creates counterfeit and substitute for the life of God. And the life of God is this tree, the tree of life, emerging from the split. And it's the real body of Christ that's alive and fruitful. Alive and fruitful. And so this is part of being a saint, to be alive and bearing fruit. And there is several layers to this that's really, excuse me, that's really, really important. Because we have the difficulty of the battle, okay? Then we need the mindset that I'm in a battle and that it's okay and it's right and it's God for me to be in the battle. And then to learn how to fight, to learn how to use my weapons and to recognize, you know, that when bad things happen, difficult things happen, it's part of the process, the lambs among wolves of me learning how to overcome. So we need to be wise as serpents. One of our great weapons is wisdom. Paul talks about needing all wisdom to bring the saints to maturity. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and verse 29. We need all the wisdom that God can give us if we're going to do this. Now, these are, now as I'm sharing with you, I know you're thinking, well, there's one after another. Yes, there are many lessons to learn. There are many levels of every lesson to learn. And this is where the cares of the world come in. This is where the difficulties come in. This is where the thorns come in. So hear me say this to you. Every time you feel another level of resistance every time you're dealing with more thorns every time you're dealing with more concerns more worries more deceitfulness that's a place of stopping and digging another well that's a place of digging a deeper well and asking the lord okay what well do i need here is this a well of faith is this a well of fellowship is this a well of joy is this a well of worship is this a well of fellowship what well do i need here because otherwise these things they don't stop do you understand this vine that's full of thorns that wants to choke us what's it after it's after your calling it's after your fruitfulness it's after 
after your maturity. That's what it's after. It doesn't care if you have a lot of money. It doesn't care if you drive a flashy car. It doesn't care if you have a house or a yacht, you know, or you're living in the sunshine of the south of France, which, you know, that's not bad. I just read, I read in the scriptures earlier that Jesus was preaching to people from a beach and I pointed to Janet, look, Jesus had a beach ministry. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm rejoicing that God has given me a beach ministry. It took 40 years to get it, but praise the Lord. So there are these, you must understand the ferociousness of your enemy. He is ruthless and he doesn't stop until you stop him. Okay, you know, you have to have that kind of a mentality, you know, and many people give up. They give up and say, this is too hard. I don't like it. I don't care if I don't bear any fruit. I don't care if I don't learn or change or grow. I'll find another church that tickles my ears. As Paul told, warned Timothy in 2 Timothy, in the last days, people will not stand for sound doctrine, but they will gather to themselves teachers who will, in the King James, tickle their ears or tell them what they want to hear. So there's a demonic exchange of lies in the spirit of religion. I'll tell you what you want to hear. You give me your money and we'll build this kind of churchianity or whatever you want to call it and we'll go on deceiving one another. I'll lie to you. You'll pay me for lying to you. I'm happy for your money. You're happy for the lives. Everybody's happy and we have a nice church. We watch that happen. We'll watch it down through the centuries. We will watch it again. Watch these words. You will see churches get filled with people who are ticking the, tickling their one another's ears. The Bible will be diminished. The Holy Spirit will be ignored. And the supernatural will be absent. And because nobody wants the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, or the maturity of the saints because they're not in that business. Do you understand that? Satan is in the business of choking, destroying, and stealing. And we have to be in the business of making and maturing disciples, saints of the Most High God. That's a good... See, I'm telling you, you guys got to pray for this side. I have to work with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, have mercy. Amen. He does have mercy on us, you know. So I'm sharing this with you, and I can hear the lies of the enemy, some of this stuff coming against you. Oh, this is really hard. This is really difficult. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm spiritual enough. I don't know if I'm holy enough. I don't know if I like this or I want this. And those are just, those are the thorns, the vines that are coming up to try and strangle the life of God in you. And something has to rise up where you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and slice into that thorn, slice into that vine, and say, no, you will not rob me of my destiny. You just won't do it. You're not going to run. I am going to find the call and plan and purpose of God for my life. You know, it's like the beautiful Queen Esther so many, uh, so many centuries ago that said, if I die, I die, I'm going in, but I'm going to fulfill the destiny. You know, like Mordecai said to her, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, Esther. And if you don't go, God will bring deliverance from someplace else. 
So there's a calling, a destiny for you to walk in. And if you won't pick up the mantle of your calling, what can God do but give it to someone else who will pick it up? If you won't be the worship leader, if you won't be the teacher, if you won't be the preacher, if you won't be the prophet, if you won't be the evangelist, if you won't be the pastor or the prophet or the poet or whatever God has called you to do, or in multitude things, if you won't do it, that mantle gets abandoned in the dust. Until somebody finds it, they kick it, so to speak, and discover, here's an anointing, and you shake off the mantle, and you say to the Lord, how did this get in the dirt? And the Lord says, well, I offered it to so-and-so, and they didn't want it. I offered it to this guy, and he didn't want it, because he was afraid, or she was afraid, or they were afraid, or they didn't like this, or they didn't want to pay the price, so it's here. Will you receive it? Yes, Lord, put it on, now it's yours. Now it's yours, and that anointing, hallelujah, does the work. The anointing does the work. The joy of the Lord. His joy rises up inside of you, where people are getting mad at you, and you start laughing in their face. (laughs) It just comes out, and then they're really mad at you. You know, and then, they, you know, it's like mad like I want to hurt you or kill you if I could. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you are looking forward to those moments? A couple, all right. Hey, we got come hands up over here. It's working. Your prayers are working. Because you begin to see, listen to me, you begin to see in the spirit what's really going on. You see their anger at you. You see the lies coming at you. You see the, the weapons formed against you. They're not really against you. They're against the seed that's in you. They're against the call of God that's in you. Because the devil doesn't care about you. He has no interest in you. He is interested in the Christ that's in you. In the call of God that's in you. In the destiny of Jesus that's written in your soul. He sees that and says, I am going to choke that word. I am going to steal that calling. I am not going to let you emerge into gifts and call. I'm not going to let you influence other people. Are you out of your mind? I will do whatever I can. And the fangs come out. The claws come out. The, oh, the friends betray you. People reject you. Finances dry up. Health issues. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hell breaks loose. How many of you have discovered that the more you want to follow Jesus, the more hell you have to deal with? It's like, I was such a nice guy and everybody liked me. Now everybody hates me. What's happening? It's not you who they hate. It's the Jesus you're connected to that draws their demons out. We have to stop you. This is... This is the history of the real body of Christ in the world where men and women of God rose up and they were persecuted. We want to avoid persecution and Jesus says, I'm going to throw you right into it. Oh, Neil, I want another preacher. I want another church. We don't want a base camp. We want a spa. You know, cocktails at the pool at five o'clock. <laughs> Facials, massages, toe rubs, foot rubs, what would you care? 
Oh, yes, we'll go for that church. (laughs) But the saints are not interested in that. The saints are interested in passionately pursuing the purposes of God. Passionately pursuing. And then that zeal of the Lord begins to rise up and other people don't like it. They say, you're becoming a fanatic. How many of you have been labeled fanatics? Hallelujah. Oh, you're much too zealous. You're much too religious. You could say to them, I'm just getting started. Ah, you know. I tell you, it's going to require the battle that we are facing in the whole Western world and now in the Eastern world, because you're watching what's going on in China, right? The new level of oppression against the body of Christ is rising up in China. And the Chinese church has known about horrific persecution in the past. Some of you have studied the history of the church in China when Mao Zedong took over the nation and then the cultural revolution and the horrors of all of that. This church suffered. People tortured and died. You know, we don't like to hear about these things, but it's part and parcel of the battle for the kingdom of God in the earth. We were rejoicing to hear that song about the coming of the Lord and prophetic declarations that we'll see the coming of the Lord. But I want you to know before that happens, great darkness will cover the earth. You know, the devil is not going down without a great fight. You know, and uh, the Lord is looking for men and women who will run, listen to me say this too, who will run to the battle of the fulfillment of their destiny. I'll say this to you again. The Lord is looking for men and women who will run to the battle for the fulfillment of their destiny. Because we can create a very big picture of the world. And you could say, well, what is that to do with me? I'm one person living my life. How does that affect me? What do I do? And I tell you, let's take the, 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 um, the, the microcosm the macrocosm, and make it the microcosm of your world, right? Of who you are. And instead of thinking about the nation or the nations, think about you in your world. The people in your immediate circle, people you meet every day, people in your family or whatever, your world, and run to that battle for the purpose of finding and fulfilling your destiny. And the more you do that in your world, your world will expand because you will become a person of significance and influence, influencing other people who are influencing their world. Do you understand that? Who influence their world. Now, the enemy hates this kind of talk because it threatens his authority. It threatens his influence. It threatens his ability to intimidate, manipulate, and control. And those in my discovery of my, in my life of the battle, these are the three big things he tries to use. Intimidate you. You're not. So he can manipulate you and move you and then completely control you and say, you shouldn't go to that church. You shouldn't read that book. You shouldn't buy those CDs. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. No, no, no. No, take it easy already. You're getting old. You're ready to retire. People use this word retire, and I think, what does that mean? It's not in my vocabulary, you know. You know, there is no retiring in the kingdom of God. People say, said to me, oh, I'm too old. I said, no, you're not. And then they say to me, well, how do you know I'm not too old? 
They say, you're still breathing. (laughs) When you stop breathing, then you're too old. (laughs) I don't know why this... It's not complicated. It's deep, but it's not complicated. (laughs) So the enemy is after your calling. That's what he's after. He's after the fruitfulness that this seed, the Word of God, is intended to create in your life. Now, fellowship of the saints, not relationships among churchgoers. Let's make the difference between the fellowship of the saints and relationships between churchgoers. Because relationships between churchgoers is defined any way you want it. You know, I go to church with that person. They go to church with me, which means I see the back of their head. They see the back of my head. I say hello and ask, how are you? But don't really want them to answer because I don't really care how they are, you know. And so we have this very superficial, see you next week. Don't invade my space. Don't get involved in my life. I won't get involved in your life because I actually don't care about your life. You know, we just happen to be members of the same group that meet in that building. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The fellowship of the saints is an entirely different species. It's an entirely different reality that many people don't enter into and we lose because of it. We lose because of it. So if I am a saint in fellowship with a saint... We have responsibilities as saints to one another to find out and to help how, not how you are doing, but how is the word of the Lord maturing in your life? What is God calling you to do and what are you doing and can I help you in some way? Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Can I support you financially, emotionally, relationship? Because we are saints in relationship with one another to see the word of the Lord that's in you come to fruitful maturity. So I'm looking at you and I'm asking the question, you're looking at me and asking the same question, is the Word of God planted inside of you coming to fruitful maturity? And if you say it is, what's the evidence? What's the fruit? Well, the fruit is this ministry, the fruit is this meeting, the fruit is this book, the fruit is this song, the fruit is this evangelism, the fruit is whatever is coming, whatever has been planted in you should be coming out of you. There should be fruit born. See, people in church, the enemy doesn't want fruit. People in the spirit of Christianity, it's not about fruitfulness, it's about attendance. It's about joining, being part of, being born into a religious organization, going through their rituals and checking their boxes, so to speak. And that's all that anybody ever thinks about or asks you about. 
Because that's the, if you will, the philosophy of ministry, of the spirit of religion. It's a counterfeit and a substitute that is focused on one thing only, and that is stopping the Word of God inside of you from bearing fruit. Do you understand that? I'm trying to break this down as simply as I can to you, so you understand the nature of the battle. Satan is not after you because he hates you. In fact, you're of no interest to him at all, except when you get the Word of God inside of you, then he takes a lot of interest. Then all of a sudden it's, who the hell are you? How dare you speak to them about that, that he doesn't even want to say his name. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have had that? People get enraged at you. They loved you. They thought you were great. You got saved and they turned on you with viciousness. How many of you have had that happen? Look at all the hands up. Even this side. Praise the Lord. (laughs) This was part of my earliest experiences as a believer. Some of you know my testimony, you know, and I had this encounter with God on a subway train in New York City. I got on the subway in one kingdom. I got off in another. You know, I met the Lord. Everything changed. Then I began to tell everybody what happened to me, and that's where I discovered, because now I'm reading the Bible, that's when I discovered that there's a real devil. You know, it wasn't just Jesus dealing with the devil. Now it was Howie dealing with the devil. Like, whoa people getting enraged all i had to do was say one word the name of jesus and the demons would come like out of the woodwork i had an experience once helping somebody do some repairs. They were building a, a deck in the house, and in, uh, this material we'd put on the wood so that it would be um, impervious to the to the elements. It was called chlordane. But one of the things that chlordane did, it would kill anything in the ground. So we had this chlord. This is it's now outlawed in America. It's illegal, and so we had this put, and we we put it on. The, you know, the post that was going to be part of the foundation. We put it in, and I'm telling you, I felt like I went into a grade B horror movie. As soon as we put it in the soil, like everything in like a 25-foot radius around just came up out of the ground to run away because they could feel the poison that was on this. And I was like, everything came out of the ground. It's like, whoa! And that was a moment where the Lord said to me, this is what happens when you step into the anointing. All the demons around you come out of the woodwork. It's like, whoa, I've got to stop you. I've got to stop you. How can I do it? Lust, greed, fear, intimidation, manipulation, control, fear of rejection, your family hating you, your friends hating you, everybody hating you. Will that work? And you know, in our ministry, we've watched people in the four categories come to a meeting, hear the word of God, receive the Lord, fall away. 
You know, the word steal, the, the enemy steals the word. They have a little bit of soil. Then, you know, the persecution comes or the, 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 the deal with the cares of this world. You know, in one quarter, as Jesus said, one fourth of the hearts are good hearts. And we've, you know, we've met people and to this day they've remained friends and disciples. You know, when they're going on, they're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. It's so exciting when we're watching people as they get older, continuing to bear more fruit and doing more things and going to more countries. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. You know, because if you're not excited, something's wrong. Somewhere... Somewhere a vine with thorns has gotten itself around you. So you need to really look because God has called you to be a saint. Saints do not have thorns choking the word of God inside of them. Whatever that thorn look, whatever that vine looks like in you, uh, whatever it is, I mean, the enemy is the master of lies. He is the father of lies. He has no shortage of lies. You know, any lie you buy... You know, he'll sell to you. I don't know. I mean, there's a million different lies. They're all custom made just for you. A lie to stop you. Whatever lie. Oh, darling, don't listen to their lies. I have a lie for you. (laughs) Two for the price of one. Such a deal. And they're good justifying lies. And they're rationalizing lies. I don't want to go to their church. They're full of hypocrites. Oh, I know. And I'll just make sure you keep hearing stories of hypocrisy. And make sure you keep hearing stories of so-called Christians and their failures. So that you could justify your sin. And you don't have to bear any fruits. Oh, please. That's Bible talk. We don't believe that, really. Any lie that you will buy to stop you from finding and fulfilling the destiny that's in the seed of the Word of God planted in you. So fellowship in the saints is about helping one another find that destiny. Discover the treasure and then nurture it to see it bear fruit, whatever that fruit looks like. And this is really important for you to understand that we bear all kinds of fruit. There were many trees in the Garden of Eden, right? So there's all different kind of fruit. Part of the spirit of religion is we're all going to bear the same kind of fruit, so to speak. We're all going to believe the same thing, do the same thing, say the same thing, act the same way. And, you know, the evidence of our religion is the conformity of our language and our behavior to whatever they have set as the standard. This is one of the other lies of the spirit of religion that makes everybody believe that they are right because they're in this group. And everybody acts the same way, talks the same way, dresses the same way, and, and does whatever that group does. But there are many trees in the garden, and so we have to look for the great variety of God. Because as when God created the heavens and the earth, there's all kinds of variety everywhere. He didn't just create one kind of flower, or one kind of bird, or one kind of insect. Have you ever looked at some of these bugs up close? Some of these are the most seriously ugly creatures I have ever seen. 
I'm looking at some of these insects and saying, God, what were you thinking? Was it a bad moment for you? Were you in like a blue period? I don't know, or ugly period. And create these creatures and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And it's true that, it's the, as some artists had said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I said, Lord, you, I'm glad they're little because I don't want to behold them. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But he created thousands, hundreds of thousands of these creatures. And the, we were walking through a botanical garden with Tropical World in Leeds. If you haven't been there, go there. It's in, in one place. It's like the glories of creation and God's handiwork in the creatures of the world are all there from alligators to tiny poisonous frogs to bats to you name it. To funny looking creatures. It's like God. What were you thinking? Like he, the, his creativity is beyond comprehension, you know. And the and the flowers and all the different kinds of flowers. And so when we look at one another, we can't look at each other with limitation. This is fellowship among the saints that we're looking at one another and say, "You have a worship gift. Well, how does it come out of you?" You have a writing gift, how does it come out of you? You have a preaching or teaching gift, how does it come out of you? Well, that's a good place to say amen, saints. See, these are weapons of fellowship as saints in looking at one another with a heart that says, what is the gift in you? What seed, because when you receive the Lord, he put his seed in you. He put his seed in you, and that seed has life inside of it. And the seed knows how to build, you know, the apple seed knows how to build an apple tree. The baby in the mother's womb knows how to self-assemble. The mother doesn't have to say to the baby in the womb, Today is day 37, and according to the Build-A-Baby book... We're going to build a spinal cord today. Oh, honey, I need some spinal cord bits. I don't think we have any more. Would you go out? But it's late. I think the spinal cord shop is closed. You're laughing. Good. Hallelujah. The absurdity of all of that. The baby in the womb says, Mom, just feed me, protect me, and leave me alone. And I will build you a baby. Because the baby in the womb knows how to self-assemble. You plant that apple seed in the ground, it knows how to build an apple tree. You give it the right protection and the right nutrition, it will build an apple tree. Well, the seed of the Word of God inside of you knows how to build the gifts that are inside of you. It knows how to develop what's inside of you if you will nurture it, if you'll protect it from the lies that want to stop it. You can't sing, you can't preach, you can't pray, you can't prophesy. How many of you know there's a genre of demons called the nyanya demons? And the and the nyanya demons will certainly send somebody to nyanya you. You can't. Who are you? You can't preach, pray, prophesy, or sing. You sound like a croaking frog. But maybe Jesus likes the croaking frog sound. Hallelujah. We can't let anybody stop us 
from fulfilling our destiny. The fellowship of the saints is all about helping one another find and fulfill that. Let's pray. We have another session today, don't we? As he leads, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the fellowship of the saints, that we are digging wells to help one another find and fulfill the destiny that's in the Word of God in one another. That we're not just nice to one another, we're not just smiley faces to one another, we're having that kind of conversation with one another. And if we don't have the answer, we certainly have the encouragement to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to help in whatever way, because we are called to be saints, helping one another find and fulfill the destiny, the, the calling, the gifting, the anointing that's, that, that is in the seed that's planted in our lives. So, Father, I bless your people. Lord, I bless the seed you've planted in everyone. And I pray, Father, we would be people helping one another fulfill whatever is in that seed. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, amen and amen. Bless you all. Amen. Karen has an announcement. Dear Karen, go to another level. This is friendly ground. You could do it here. You're not in hostile territory. (laughs) Bless you. Um, I know we're going to have uh, another session, but um, some of the subjects that Howard was talking about, they really are expanded through a lot of his teachings. And I know a lot of you have heard Howard before and over the years, and I've have got a lot of his teachings, but I just thought a reminder won't harm. So one of the first things, we've got a CD which is Howard's testimony of overcoming fear. It's a wonderful releasing CD if you are struggling with any instances of fear in your life, and it really will set you free. The other one I've got is acquiring wisdom, and this really is the next level for us all. We need the wisdom of where to go, what to do, what to say, who to be with, and how we're going to get to that next level. The other two CD sets I've got is really looking at exposing the lies of the enemy because we've all believed the lies and some things really we need to really dig deep and look at what lies have made us become the individuals that we are now and to root them out and remove them from our lives so we can remove go forward in the Lord and the other one is Howard was talking about the the difficulties, the deceptions, the discouragement, overcoming those, and it's called overcoming the Ds. So any of the Ds in our lives, how do we overcome them and become those disciples that the Lord's got for each one of us? Thank you. Hallelujah. So Karen, thank you for going to the next level. She'd never done that before, so you observed the first in Karen's life. Hallelujah. She's only a little mad at me. She's only a little mad at me. But I don't care. Because it's calling forth the the gifts in her. I know the Lord wants to do some deep stuff, so let's just wait on him for a moment, okay? 
so that he can do something in our hearts now. Maybe it's a good moment to repent of where you let the, the thorny vine choke the gift in you, the calling in you. Maybe you're thinking, well, I really don't know what the gift and calling is. Okay, that's a good place to start. We can pray for you. You can pray for that now, for a revelation to come. Maybe the Lord has challenged you to do things and you've said no because you were afraid or you were intimidated or whatever the rationale and the lie was that stopped you from obeying. So, Lord, I just want to take a moment now for all of us because I know you want to take all of us to another level. All of us, Lord, me, Pastor Andy, everybody, Lord, has another level to go to. Every one of us. And you want to take us to that next level. And when we try to press through, that's when we find thorny vines that want to choke us, stop us. May we be unstoppable, Father, and may we help one another be unstoppable. May we develop strategies of relationships to help one another grow. May what you've spoken today find good soil in our hearts. In the name of Yeshua. We did record it. If you want a CD or a DVD, please let Karen know. She'll arrange for how you can purchase that. But there's stuff, just just wait, there's stuff the Lord wants to do. And I don't want to rush the Holy Spirit. I mean, nor do I want to rush you. Sometimes we have to be in the moment, you know, and grab the moment. So right now is we're just waiting. This is your moment. Grab it. Grab the moment. Even if you're sitting there thinking, wow, I got a lot of homework to do. I got a lot to think about. Okay then grab that moment and store it in your heart. So when you go home and you have quiet time, you can unpack this moment because you're grabbing it. And you can go back and visit this moment and unpack it at your own time or with people you love and respect and trust and say, you know, I really want to unpack what my calling is, what my gifting is, what my next level is. I don't want to let anything choke me. Unbelief. That's in favor of the enemy. When the Lord first spoke to me about his desire, his calling on my life, which when, when I've, I was a brand new believer, and I thought that was impossible because my, my, my understanding of myself absolutely precluded any of that. And I was on my knees because a, a spirit of prayer came on me. I didn't call it that. I just knew I had to pray. And I, had, I was coming home from work, and I just, this, I have to pray. I got to my apartment, went, got on my knees, threw my jacket off, because I couldn't do anything but pray. And the Lord said to me, Howie, I have a special work for you to do. But before you can do it, you must go through many deep waters. And I looked up shocked and immediately thought, this can't be God. 
me a special work to do can't be the Lord. And then I heard him say, read Hebrews 3.12. So I found a Bible nearby. I opened it up and it says, do not depart from the living God with an evil heart of unbelief. I said, oh, but I still didn't believe. (laughs) But I had the fear of God in me that moved me in the direction away from unbelief, moved me in the direction of, okay, I'll believe it. You know, it was like a a one degree shift away from unbelief. And sometimes all you need is one degree, you know, that moves you in a whole new direction. And I began to move in another direction, said, Okay, I don't want to depart from the living God with an evil heart of unbelief. So, Lord, here is my evil heart of unbelief. Have mercy on me because I cannot change my heart. But Jesus is in the heart-changing business. Amen? So he began to turn me. And then people began to prophesy the same words. I was at a conference of Jewish believers at Columbia University. And an elderly Jewish man, a Jewish believer came. We were just chatting. And all of a sudden, he put his hand on me and said to me, God has a special work for you to do. And I went, oh. (laughs) It's like this became a key word for me. You know, and the Lord would pop that up every now and again. And so when people have said to us over the years, you know, you and Janet are very unique among Jewish believers. Because of the things that we carry, it's like, hey, I told you. Hello, anybody home? I told you, I have a special work for you to do. But let me tell you something. We have gone through hell and high water. We have gone through many deep waters, fighting wolves on every level. So, you know, you're looking at me all these years later. And I could spend hours just telling you about the battles. But you've got your own battles. You don't need to hear about mine. Occasionally, they come out in stories. We just get to these wolf chops. Yes, wolf chops. <laughs> we are purveyors of wolf. I like that. I'm going to take that. Hallelujah. Wolf chops. Amen. I have a DVD or somewhere, Karen, in the catalog. There's something on wolf chops, isn't there? There is one, yeah. Hallelujah. Let's just continue to pray. Father, Abba God, you dwell in an unapproachable light and you share some of that light with us. So, Father, I just thank you. Why don't you just put your hand on your head and one hand on your head and one hand on your heart? See, because we have to get this in our heads and we have to get it in our heart. Father, I pray that the light of your revelation would come into each of our hearts and that our head would receive what our hearts believe, Lord. The scripture says, if you believe in your heart, nothing will be impossible to you. So, Father, I pray for myself and I pray for every one of us that we would be receiving your light in our heart So that we could understand it in our heads. And we would be able to move forward in in harmony and unity with you. Seal this moment right now, Father, in each of us.
so we can go to the next level. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.